Welcome to Fintech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different fintech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Hello, and thank you for joining me. Before I get started with today's show, just one quick piece of housekeeping. For those of you who have not joined the newsletter, I highly encourage you to do so. At this point, all we are doing is notifying you when new episodes come out, but our plans are to roll out additional content on an ongoing basis and perhaps uh, even fintech news as it breaks. So for those of you interested, please visit fintechimpact.co. That's .co, C-O, not .com, and uh, sign up today. So uh, moving forward, today on the show, I have David Katz. David is the executive vice president of Benicade. Benicade is a traditional health benefits platform. However, what David runs is a separate division known as Honeybee. Honeybee is their digital platform for the delivery of benefit solutions to advisors, underwriters, employers, and end users. And really the entire goal is to create a much more collaborative and quick and easy experience that leads to greater degrees of satisfaction. With that, here's my interview with David. Hello, David. Hey, Jason. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, it's different. Well, it's not having a drink, but uh, <laughs> we can do that later. We can do both. Absolutely. So, David Katz, tell us about Honeybee. Honeybee is a digital benefits platform that we built from within Benicade that's really designed to allow employers to set up benefits accounts for their employees, so health and allowance accounts. And then employees can use those accounts to personalize their benefits. Excellent. So we'll come back to that because there's a lot to digest there. But tell me about your personal journey and background and how you came to create Honeybee. Sure. Well, I started my career actually as a lawyer. And uh, I see the smirk. But Like so many lawyers, <laughs> they never practice law. You know what? I did practice law and it, it actually stuck to me also. So okay. I practiced for call it a little bit over four years and uh, corporate commercial law mm-hmm. with a sprinkling of insurance in there. And I found that I was really enjoying sort of getting into the meat of what my clients were doing on transactions and mm-hmm. not necessarily just the paper side of it. And uh, I had an opportunity... Quite early on, I think it was around 99, to join a startup. And, uh, you know, I thought, this is perfect. I said goodbye to all my colleagues. I'm going to go join dot com. I'm going to make a gazillion dollars. And it was 99 yeah, after all. Yeah. That's exactly what everybody thought. And you suckers will continue to be billing by the hour. And, uh, <laughs> and I was all uh, excited about that. It was actually a very early insure tech before they even used the term. Before, before the term existed. Yeah, before fintech existed. And uh, it was backed by Onyx uh, Corporation, Warburg Pincus, uh, Marsh McLennan. And we were going to build an online insurance agency in the U.S., and it was for property and casualty, home insurance, term life insurance. And it sounded amazing. I was going to get all these options. I was going to just do fantastic. And the IPO uh, was going to make you rich. Exactly. Yeah, so I think just about the time I settled my options, uh, the dot-com uh, bus oh, happened. Oh, no. That's why. <laughs> and so, you know, we found ourselves uh, trying to build uh, an insure tech, whatever that was, in the darkest days of the internet. And it was an incredible experience. I loved it. I was on the executive team with uh, the current CEO of Benicate, Peter Berksey. And mm-hmm. together we spent six years slugging it out and doing something that in, in retrospect was quite special. We were able to, I think when we started, the idea was a big private label brokerage. .com, so it's internet, you can buy insurance online, multi-carrier, multi-product in 50 states, three carriers deep on each product. 
boiling the, the dream ocean. that still doesn't exist, <laughs> eh? You know, like the big yeah. blue sky vision. Now, and quite honestly, we had every regional bank, every dot-com site, everyone wanting to sell this private label solution. And it was really exciting. What we realized very quickly is it doesn't work. 50 different state administrators for insurance sell you. It doesn't work. Well, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of red tape. You know, but, we, but we learned a lot of lessons that, yeah. I, quite frankly, we're applying today with Honeybee. And, mm-hmm. and I think the biggest ones are that you really have to think hard about distribution and really understand what sells online, what transacts offline, and where the different value points are in that process. So it was a success for us because we realized very quickly that we have to fire 50 clients and 50 distribution partners and focus on some large distribution partners that had skin in the game. So we signed Ford Credit and we started selling auto insurance to Ford customers across the U.S., Schwab Life Insurance, Term Life, and Sears uh, Citibank. And we were selling to them as well for the Sears base. It was really home insurance. We built a call center in Tennessee. And uh, we started online and completed offline and sold to Capital One Bank in, uh, I think it was about 2006. Oh. So it was a really... Avoided that fiasco a couple of years later. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so good well, timing on one, bad timing on another. Okay. Well, I went into the next one. We haven't talked about that one yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so then after that, I, I said, okay, what do I want to be when I grow up? I've been uh, traveling all around North America, trying to running corporate development for this company, Logic. It was really exciting. And I felt that I really loved the marketing and customer acquisition side of what I was doing at InsLogic. So I was general counsel, so it was really interesting trying to navigate through all the regulations, again, 50 statewide. And and Mm -hmm. I really learned a lot Mm -hmm. about building something transformative in a regulatory framework. And that's the last thing I wanted to do for my next venture. So I focused on (laughs) building um, a community, and it was called Portfolios.com. And it was for artists, professional artists online. And these are commercial artists, so serving the advertising industry. And essentially, it was a place for them to, uh, it was like an early jobber for them to no, I think I, get gigs. I, you know, I think I told you this before, but I, can, I very much think I remember seeing that because I have friends in marketing. I think we may have been using yeah. it at the time. It was like an early Fiverr. Yeah. Or, uh, and, and people were basically using it to find talent for advertising projects. Yeah. And when I sort of walked into that with my partner, we started with a couple of thousand uh, creatives on this platform, and we built it in about 18 months up to over 80,000 creatives on the platform. And this wow. was pre-cell phone pictures. <laughs> These oh, are boy. professional photographers, yeah. commercial photographers, illustrators, designers, and then uh, sold that business. Really, it was an early version of an affiliate network. Yeah. And I really understood the power of customer acquisition through building these sort of distribution networks mm-hmm. and syndication. So that was great. Sold the business, joined another company that bought it. And uh, from there, I was essentially doing corporate development for them, running new ventures, acquisitions, and we were uh, focused on the digital advertising space and uh, spent six years doing that. We bought and launched probably uh, a dozen companies and smaller ventures, Mm -hmm. and some of them worked, some of them fizzled, uh, some of them took off, and that's sort of brought me to the point of Benicade. So you decided to get back into insurance at the end of it. Well, <laughs> I think it was actually funny. I was um, on the phone with Peter Berksy, and we always stayed in touch and kept talking about what we're up to, what we want to do, how we want to do something non-digital, non-technical. Too bad paperclips aren't, uh, isn't a great business anymore. But we always find ourselves in these 
digital regulatory frameworks. And Peter was at Benicate. He just moved there. And we had a, a very frank conversation where I, I told him I felt that benefits suck and that it's really such an underserved market. And then we talked about the challenges that we had with what we were doing in the past relative to the industry in Canada for health benefits, which is nascent. And we felt, hey, you know, we can do something really interesting here. So I joined Peter and I joined Benicade and we built Honeybee. Okay. So that's interesting. You know, again, very well traveled and a lot of experience there. So let's get back to Honeybee. So in terms of the platform, take me through what the general client experience is. What is it exactly you're selling these people? So we actually took a step back with Honeybee and said, we don't have to sell anything new. Let's just repackage products and things that are in market today in a way that solves problems for employers. And so that sounds complicated, but really what we tried to do is say, why don't we take decisions away from employers, make it much easier for them to set up benefits uh, in a digital fashion, mm -hmm. working with their advisor any way the advisor wants to work with us, and then allow employees to enjoy the things that they would expect from a great group benefits experience, but in a personalized way. And so what that meant was, what do we start with? Well, you know, I knew I didn't want to go out and build the next Fitbit integration. These are not things that are solving big problems. No. And we can talk about that more in a bit. But we felt that one of the biggest friction points to buying benefits is the complexity of trying to design benefits for a multi-generational workforce. Yes. And the inefficiency of not working with an advisor, but in the way that people work with advisors. There is so much lag time. It would take six to eight weeks to set up a benefits plan. I'm all there. <laughs> so we felt that if we can simplify the process or the chore that's in front of the employer, and really the employer is focused on how do I make sure that there's enough products in this set that will protect my employees? How do I make sure I stay on budget? And how can I use a benefits plan as a recruiting tool, recruiting and retention tool? All of those things have been lost in the benefits industry, in my opinion, in the last uh, 20 years. You well, where they even started. That's the real yeah. issue. Right? I mean, I feel like the the mechanism for how you basically get these things quoted has changed very little. Right. You get these things deployed is still very little. I mean, right. everybody still wants the book, the printed books and everything else, right? It's it's uh, you go back in time to the 80s and I don't think you can see much difference. Well, the irony is you, you mentioned printed books. You know, when you get a job, your first job, that's really where you learn about benefits, right? And someone you sends don't you... You don't really care. Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, I have all this stuff that's nice, but, you know... It had no value. Yeah. It had no value. It was a check the box. Yeah. And now it's, you know, and I see it all the time when I'm trying to hire someone or someone's trying to hire someone, you know, send me your benefits booklet or tell me what it covers. People don't really read it. They don't understand what's in it. No. They quickly surmise that it doesn't have a lot of value to them. Yeah. And they misinterpret it all the time. I mean, yeah. the number of times I talk to clients like, oh, no, I have... I had this ability through my benefits plan. Well, no, you don't. And I've seen the books or, right. you know, it's this accidental death thing. Like, it's just, no, that's not what it is. And they, they don't know how to read what it is. It's right. the issue, right? So, yeah, it's it's a big kind of gray area for all. And I don't know if you have the same experience, but mm -hmm. I have yet to meet a young person that actually cares about their benefits. Only because, to the extent of the massage. Right. And maybe the dentist. Oh, okay. So, let me rephrase that care about what they don't have in their benefits plan yeah. relative to what they will use. Yeah. And all they do is they seem to keep their eye on the waste. Well, I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to use that. That yeah. doesn't apply to me. Yeah. But guess what? The employer is paying for it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, I want glasses, though. I need that. And, you know, right. It's only, it's only the stuff that, let's be honest, they're 
the average person in their 20s hopefully has very little need for this sort of thing, mm-hmm. except for the routine stuff like glasses, dentists, and the stuff that they find fun, like you know the massage stuff. So that's a great segue. What we really tried to do was say, okay, those are employee-centric things we just discussed, but you're not going to improve anything if you only focus on the employee mm-hmm. because you're going to focus, you're going to improve the employee experience at the detriment of your employee. Yeah, and then the billings go through the roof, and then sooner or later they get to pull back on the benefits. You seen need, it all the yeah, time. You need yep. a balance. So what we did was we said, okay, let's. We're not doing the Fitbit. We're not doing discounts for staying healthy. We're, that's not us. We are a self-funded small company, but very successful. And we became successful because we focused on innovating products and disrupting products, but not necessarily disrupting. The industry. And so when we looked at Honeybee, we said, here are the problems that we have to solve. Rising cost of benefits. So employers are getting slaughtered. Okay. We have to solve this multi-generational problem. I know everyone's focused on millennials, but millennials do get older. Some of them get married. They have children. Yep. They have the same problems you and I have. They're going to change like everybody else. Yeah. All the time. And it's, it's going to happen. We have problems with the lack of perceived value of these benefits plans. So they don't have recruiting value anymore. They become a default checkbox. Exactly. And I'd say digital, we talked about. It's Mm -hmm. a huge problem. So very complicated to buy, terrible to interact. Terrible to administer, submitting claims, even the ones that do have online. It's just not necessarily great. And then I'd say the hidden one or the one that we focused a lot on is this concept of an employer's culture. So we all hear it all the time. People talking about culture, best places to work. That's not my culture. My culture is this. My culture is that. So you can't really differentiate as a small business unless you can promote your culture. And what tools are out there to help you manage that? There's a lot of great engagement tools. Other than free lunch, not many. Yeah. <laughs> You're on tap. Exactly. Well, when we looked at it, we said, why are we restricting our platform to insured products? There are so many different levers that an employer will play with over the lifespan of an employee to try to motivate them, to give them things that they'll value and to promote the values of the employer. So we really wanted to expand this platform to include a whole host of non-traditional benefits, everything from pet care to child care to financial services mm-hmm. to... Things that uh, matter in their lives. Things exactly. They actually you know, touch them in some way. It's not them. enough just to say, I'm going to personalize my insurance, mm-hmm. which I would argue we're doing better than anyone out there right now. But it's also going beyond that. How do you say to people okay, I know you don't really care about this right now. And I know you really care about, as you said, vision or massages. And I'm going to give you the freedom to have money in an account that you can decide how you're going to do it. But we're going to do it in a responsible way where we make sure you do buy the coverages, mandatory coverages that you need. And we'll allow you to add things like deductibles and co-pays and things to the platform that'll free up more cash in your accounts that you can use for the things that matter to you today. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes I always take a very paternalistic view to plan design. I'm always looking out for the advisor, but also their staff, sorry, for the client, but also their staff. And, you know, I often feel like I have to force disability on most people, right? It's like, oh, it's expensive. And yes, it has to come off the employee's pay if they want to be make it tax-free. But here's the stats, and this is how much it sucks if you become disabled. So giving them the flexibility to take, you know, some of those like you said, change the deductible. You know what? Maybe I don't need 100% reimbursement on medical. Maybe I need 70, but that gives me money to free up to spend on my gym membership. Yeah. I don't care I, about that. And, and I think it's 
Those are the exact discussions we have on our product team all the time. I still think we're mired in regulation a little too much. And Mm -hmm. so some at the core of our product are two types of accounts is a health account, which is really operates much like a health spending account today. And so there are limitations on being able to use unused funds for other purposes. And that's why we have an allowance account also. And it's super flexible. And that one, it's essentially a taxable benefit. It's a taxable benefit, but it's a discretionary account they can use on any number of Absolutely. items you approve. Now, big point though, it's not just what we approve. It's what the employer approves. Exactly. Yeah. And so a big difference between our platform, again, is some people say focusing on the employee will make the employer happy. We think focusing on the employer and making the employer more competitive will necessarily involve having to do something for the employees. But again, it's a balance. And we, we really stress that nothing gets on our platform if it doesn't help the employer. If it's not helping them in some way, it doesn't get on our platform. Actually, looking at the other side, if something actually harms the employer, it's definitely not getting on our platform. Yeah, no doubt. And, and so that's been our mantra, and that follows through every decision we make on Honeybee. Excellent. So to date, so let's go back to the onboarding. So, I mean, I've used the entire plan design portion on multiple occasions now, but can you walk through the sure. uh, what that looks like? Because, frankly, I think just that alone is, is already a friction remover. Right. Uh, for most of us. Yeah. So the way, uh, the way Honeybee is set up is company can get to Honeybee a number of different ways, but mm-hmm. it starts with the advisor. So an advisor can have Honeybee on a tablet when you go meet with your clients. You can do a video conference. You can just send a link to your client because you, they can self-serve and you can mm-hmm. send a link to them embedded with your advisor code and the client can go online and start setting up their own Honeybee themselves And they're sharing features on it where they can loop you in and and out as they see fit. So the first step is really you can't avoid gathering some information. So we try to... (laughs) Unfortunately not. You know, at this stage, you know, data sharing is not quite where it needs to be. Yeah, and we can talk about that because I think data sharing is a huge component of where we're going. Oh, yeah. But we try to do it again in a measured way. And so if you're first coming to Honeybee, the first thing you're going to do as an employer is you're going to provide us with a little bit of information around the size and demographics of your company. Mm-hmm. We have some tools there to make it a little bit easier. We are actively engaged in discussions with other productivity, business productivity platforms like HR platforms and payroll platforms to make that easier. But at the early stage, we're finding right off the bat that people want to kick the tires a little bit. They're not going to right away import data from their Give a ballpark before the exactly. trouble, the heavy lifting. So yeah. we really try to redefine the categories and the age bands and the way we gather information to make it easy. And we essentially have one page that we ask a handful of questions. And from there, we're able to decide behind the scenes what sort of products are we going to allow you to purchase? Because quite frankly, we might not know a ton about you at that at that point. Yeah. But you can tell enough from the demographics as to, okay, that sort of product, if it goes wrong, could really blow up the entire plan. Exactly. Yeah. And so we'll have things in there like caps on prescription drugs, or we'll have different copay options right off the bat that mm-hmm. we'll ask you to take. Now, this is all for what we call a virgin group, groups that have never I had. I name. I know. Well, yes, I, know. So no, I say it, I don't a really know. Group, yeah. A virgin yeah. group? No, right. Okay, right. Like virgin. right. So for those companies that have never had it before, we have to be careful on mm-hmm. the risk side. So very simple. It takes like three minutes to do that page, probably less. The next thing we're going to ask you is to configure your group into what we call hives. And it sounds cute, but really, you know, classes is not... doesn't ring well with millennials. <laughs> it I, really I've, doesn't. I've heard that feedback on multiple occasions now. The second they hear class, it's 
got a tone to it, right? It does. It really does. And I think, you know, in the industry, there's a lot of terminology like that. And we were forced to revisit a lot of that in our design. I mean, one that stands out is deductible. So we talk about deductibles, but a lot of millennials actually don't know what a deductible is because they've never had a car. And so they've never had to make those decisions. And so there's a lot of rethinking that we had to do in the platform. So after you've set up your... You know, the thing that's so funny about that, it's just such, such easy nomenclature things that we take for granted and that happens in my practice all the time and you know we have a very very simple rule around here about the use of jargon wherever possible i don't want to hear it the only time i want to hear the word alpha is when i'm talking about the greek alphabet so that better be never right Right. (laughs) so it's right it doesn't come up that often well it's gonna confuse the client like maybe maybe the client asks about something like that because they understand but for the most part they don't right so why don't we just talk to people on a human level a very basic one so i commend you for that because that's just a little differentiator to show the level of thinking you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Quite frankly, I don't think we've done a good enough job yet, but I think we're getting there. So that's certainly trending the right way. So after you've set up your hives, you're essentially done giving us all of the information we're going to ask you at that point. The employer then hops to the first of two tasks, and that is setting up a health account. And when I say setting up a health account, they're really going to start curating certain products that they're going to present to their employees as options for them to purchase during their experience, which Mm -hmm. is sort of a shopping cart experience. So they're really building a menu item and it's starting with medical. And so we uh, make a medical plan mandatory. If you want to set up a full honeybee plan, we can talk about accounts only later Mm because we do have other options. But if you want honeybee to be your full plan, the first thing is you set up a medical plan. And we give you a couple of choices, and it's very easy to understand. It's essentially the same plan. There is no uh, paramedicals in the plan. It's covering emergency coverage and prescription drugs yep. with different copay options. And once you choose that, you move on to the next point. Now, what's really interesting about that is we surface something for the employers that's very unique, and that is we show them a preview of what the employee experience is going to be when they walk through it. And we show them how there'll be different prices available to their employees Mm -hmm. if they decide to choose different deductibles. And it gives a lot of confidence to the employer that, okay, it's an education process. Oh, I see what they're doing It's a simple education process because, I mean, you look at some traditional flex benefits plans and the number of packages you have to choose from and the level of complexity that comes with some of those. It can be very overwhelming. And we have... We have several clients send us those packages for us to advise on them. I mean, what you guys have put together is simpler. There's not right. 12 options. There's two. Right, right. And it's not dizzying. Yeah. I've looked at a lot of the ones that you're talking about. I don't think I'd be able to walk through the sign up myself. Well, yeah. It's like, okay, but if I choose, I want this, but if I choose that one, I don't want this. And it's like, right. there's no option for either or. And it's just, again, right. yeah. Right. And I think it's really a lot of false, they're designed under false pretense and this concern about anti-selection. Which I think designed around pricing. I mean, like, yeah. it's like if we add this, the price point will be this, and then, and then keep on moving up the ladder until you get to 100% reimbursement on everything. So it's just, yeah, like, let them pick a, pick a right. price point, right? It's not let, let, them, let them pick something that actually truly fits their need. Right. And I, I find that the other thing, quite honestly, is if you really simplify the product set and introduce things like deductibles and copays as you're going through the interface in little bite-sized chunks. What you're doing is you're educating the employer as you go along. Without overwhelming them. And we're going to do the same thing with the employee because the ultimate goal is to have a real appreciation by the employee of what the employer is doing and what they're paying for them and accountability for their decisions. So we can come back to that after. I want to get through the the setup that you raised. So 
after I fit, pick my medical plan, then I'm going to move on to dental and it's optional. Mm-hmm. I can opt out. I don't have to do it. Why would I opt out if I have a predominantly young group and I just want to put two or $300 into the account a year, yeah. allow them to pay for you know, predictable dental expenses. They're not overly concerned about bridges or bridge work. Or, or you're starting, uh, yeah, you yeah. want to limit the cost of it, any number of reasons. Exactly. So you can do that. And then the next thing you're going to do is you're going to decide, am I going to provide more funding for families? We call it a family multiplier where I could say, you know, I'm going to give one and a half times my deposit amount. It's going to go to families because I'm not covering paramedical and this could help them out. And the entire time you could build this, you have the cost showing on the side column. So the, the employer exactly. seeing exactly how much they're racking up in expense as they're designing this. It's a budgeted solution, 100% budgeted. And you'll notice what I'm talking about is essentially not buying plans, but curating them. Mm-hmm. Because the and next step is going to be funding. So now I'm going to decide how much am I going to fund for each hive. I could fund different amounts if I have an employee hive, yep. if I have a management hive, I have a founder's hive. I can give them all different amounts. And it's from those funding amounts that the employees will be purchasing these plans and making their decisions. So that was the hardest thing we did in all of Honeybee was how do you develop something where there's this platform that actually takes into account the employer's desire to have a budgeted solution and the employees are making their selections from within that budget. So different than a lot of plan, uh, yeah. other ones out there, right? No, absolutely. I mean, how you give, you give people a bunch of options. How do you determine what, to, I mean, you can give them a worst case scenario number. Right. Right. But to actually figure out how this is actually going to shake out is very challenging. Right. And and if you look at some of the other solutions out there that use health spending accounts, yeah. what they do is they sell you a plan for your company and then they give health spending accounts to their employees. Yep. And what happens every year when the plan cost goes up, you're not going to be able to take money out of the employees' accounts nope. to do that. You're stuck. And with our platform, it's totally budgeted. If the cost of plans goes up the next year. The employees have options. Yep. They can add deductibles. They can add co-pays. The total expenditure from the employer's side is the, is, is the same. Right. 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 And it doesn't have to be. No, but I mean, it's it's the thing is it's it actually, you know, one of the big things that people get worried about anytime you come in to quote a plan is the employees get worried about, or you make a change. First thing they're always panicked about is like, what are you watering down? Like they always think that you're taking something away, right? And I think that the repricing of the plan and the allowance being spelled out. The employer is not taking anything away. It's the insurance company's fault. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> like, right. It creates a separation of church and state there that I think is valuable. And I think another thing that helps us in, in this chore was also bundling. We yeah. find that bundling is really our... It makes our, it easier. It makes it easier. Yeah. And it's also your friend because, you know, when you're dealing with multiple products, you have multiple levers you can play with. So for the medical plan, we bundle Video Doctor with it. I don't think there's an insurer out there in Canada today that isn't looking at a video doctor platform. Yeah. We've had it on our platform for eight months now. What's and the usage of that? Do you have any idea, any stats on that? It's early. So we're still relying on our partners. Yeah, stats. An awareness issue at this point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Now I think it's one of those things that it really depends on the demographics of your company. And it also depends on whether someone's buying it or whether it's bundled. As a bundled solution, you're always going to get it in the hands of people that might not be using it, but it's there if they need it. If they're actually purchasing it as a voluntary benefit, yeah. then they're more likely to use it. But the flip side is it does it's not there to protect them if they don't have it. So it's very well received. And I'd say it presents a lot of new opportunities as well on the concierge side that have yet to be explored. Absolutely. I think that's 
there's a lot you can start to do on that front. Yeah. And then the other thing we bundle are, is travel. So there's so. very few situations where people should be really nothing, thinking hard about travel. Nothing drives me crazier than when I see something on the news about someone need to have a, need to have a GoFundMe campaign because they were too cheap to check off the box that says, yes, I want travel when I'm going to this Caribbean island. Right. Like that is just a level of irresponsibility that I just do, cannot stand. And the fact that we put it in group plans, I'm thankful because yeah. quite frankly, the vast majority of people would take that risk without even realizing the scale of the risk. Right. Right. So I agree hundred percent. Why, why present choices that you know are bad for them? Yeah. <laughs> like this is, you know, this costs peanuts, but frankly, you should have it. Right. Yeah. Right. No, so, so totally agree there. After that, you're finished setting up Good. that. And that whole process, it's not designed to be a three minute process. Get a coffee, sit down. Yeah. You'll read about it as you go through it. It's really yeah. easy. But an advisor guiding someone through it, it's not too much time. Either. Our advisors do that section in under five minutes. Yeah. The whole thing front Absolutely. to back. If you're uh, working independently, distance from your advisor and you're going to later check in with them, you know, we're clocking at around 12 to 18 minutes for that section. Not Still, and to give them the actual report and here it is. Like that's, that's right. Fantastic. Right. So that's the health spending side. So talk now on the allowance accounts, you guys have done some interesting bundles. You've created themes, I think. Right? Right. What, what do you call them? Is it themes? Or? We just call them allowance categories, but okay. theme sounds good. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> Credit. Yeah, that's good there. Yes. <laughs> I have some legacy in this kid's product. So yeah, I mean, from my understanding, you basically put things like fitness or pets yeah. and like a separate, and you basically automatically populates, hey, this can be spent on these things automatically, right? Right. So it's really the idea there is we've already built the interface on the health side. Yeah. So you're already comfortable with this idea of building an account why are we stopping with health yep right health is even the employer doesn't think in terms of what's eligible for a health spending account what's eligible for a different type of account that's a tax fiction that's imposed upon them. exactly but really what they're thinking is what what's it cost me yeah. <laughs> what's it going to cost me and what else do i need what are my yeah. we met with so many companies out there that were basically saying all right i'm giving everyone a gym membership it's $50 a month. We were just talking about Headspace memberships for mindfulness. Yeah, yeah exact same thing. So what happens when that person has a gym in their condo? Yeah. And they say, well, that's not fair. Can that's I not use, good to me. Yeah, can I use that $50 to buy a bike? Yeah. Sure you can. We'll put $50 a month towards your bike. Well, you how start, do you track it? Yeah. And what if that person says, well, I don't want it for a bike. I'd rather have it for childcare. Or I want it for more. The edge cases will kill you. And it just keeps on going and going and going. And selectivity is just going to create it. But you created a platform that allows selectivity without burdening the employer. That's 100% it. And so you basically go through the exercise of saying, okay, I want to create an allowance account. I want it to be for fitness. And there are a bunch of choices uh, that you, the employer, can decide what's eligible within that category or not. So you can go through it and say, I like Gym memberships, I like Pilates, I like this. I These don't. are the things we want to encourage right, in, our, in, our, right. in our populace. But by the way, I don't know if I want to cover running shoes. I don't know if I want to cover sports equipment. So I'm going to take those out. And so it's a completely bespoke platform that the employer can get as into it as they want. And then they can say, next one, wellness. Well, you know what? Maybe I want to combine a wellness category with a fitness category. And I'm going to give $50 for both combined. Yep. Or I can create separate And this speaks allowances. back to the entire culture aspect because now you're, you're creating the culture around the values that you have for the business. So whether that be fitness or things involving family or you know something as simple as pets, right? Like it's Absolutely. just those things you're, you're creating an attitude to, yeah, we care about these aspects of your life. That's exactly right. It. So we have kids and pets as a category, which is a very popular category. No doubt. <laughs> uh, and, you know, try telling a young person that doesn't have children that their pet isn't their child or someone who, who doesn't. My fur baby's my child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, many days I prefer my dog. But I think that there's, yeah. there's a lot to be said for using these types of benefits to really promote your culture. And we're constantly adding new ones. Um, you know, we have some, the most popular ones obviously are around things such as fitness and wellness and kids and pets. But we just added a financial services category that allows employers to reimburse employees for contributions to RESPs, RSPs. And paper financial planning? We have financial planning in there as well. Um, so there's uh, <laughs> wills and estates. Yep. There's, uh, it's oh, really great. limitless. And I'd say... I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a taxable benefit. So technically, it's whatever the employer chooses to allow, right? And right. again, now we're encouraging positive action. You're encouraging them to take responsibility for their financial future, to take responsibility for making sure their wills and powers of attorney are there. And that's a nice little nudge. As to say, it you is. Know, the excuse is gone. I find that it's very different than the property and casualty world, where you have so many opportunities now to get to someone through products and yeah. bundling you know, and data at the product level. At the end of the day, we learn about all of these things when we're young through our employer. It's That's still true. the thin edge of the wedge. Yep. And so having the opportunity to present these types of options and educate through the employment relationship is really key. Because otherwise, how are you getting to that person? That's really the challenge. Exactly. And for us, when we look at this, at the challenge of creating all of these accounts and managing them, we also had to go back to the employer and step into the mindset of the employer and think about things like productivity. So let's create an allowance category that allows people to get reimbursed for bringing food back to the office during the day and eating in the lunchroom. How do we create incentives? Wow, really? yeah for people to use home delivery services and things that might keep them at work longer. Can you integrate into Uber Eats? Because that would be fun. <laughs> well, <laughs> we actually have Ritual, Uber. Really? We have them on the platform as reimbursable categories. Fantastic. And the next step is actually speaking with a lot of these companies about what they can do that's unique. So let's go a little bit further there. So I know the, a big part of this platform or the thinking in the future is an affiliate network. Can you speak to how that works in conjunction here? Yeah, I mean, we tend to think of it more like an offer network that's being created by the employer. So if you think about it, an employer has access to a lot of different companies, relationships in the neighborhood or national, things that they value, companies that they value that they want to promote. So we should be able to go to those companies and say, do you have something unique for Honeybee members. Mm -hmm. It's a very different conversation than say, just come advertise on this platform. What we're telling them is the employer has identified your type of product as one that they want to promote because it fits with their values. And by the way, these people have a wallet to pay for that. Yep. Now, we're not asking them to dig into their pockets. That money's here. They just got to use right. it for us. And so what we're asking you to do is create something unique for the Honeybee members. And we're going very, very slow. And we're being very deliberate on building this offer platform out because we don't want it to be just another marketing platform where employees are getting inundated with offers. And, and essentially the same thing they can get themselves. It's just another channel of distribution for them. Exactly. Yeah. Or even worse than that, it's so aggressive that these people are spending more and more dollars on things that they might not otherwise be purchasing. And not actually doing on the things that matter. And then going back to their employers and saying, hey, <laughs> I blew this all on I blew this all on my latest Nintendo Switch for some reason. Right. Um, <laughs> why why are you marketing all these things yeah. to me every day? And why are you driving me to go out and uh, hit the gym at 11 in the morning because there's a great offer there. I mean, yep. we have to be sensitive to what the employer is trying to get out of this. Absolutely. 
you don't want to create more confusion because we all have enough coming at us already. Right. So can you speak to the, the commission structure and compensation for advisors? Sure. It's something that we thought long about. And in my personal opinion, it's something that we'll continue to work at depending on how things unfold with the platform and how we see it being used. Yeah, I want to um, hit it because it is different. And I think right. it's, a, it's a good difference. Let's right. talk about that. So what we do is, first of all, they, for the company, it's a per-employee per month fee mm -hmm. they pay. And from that, and that ranges from, let's say today, $12.50 to $20, depending on the size of the group mm -hmm. and the nature of whether they're doing accounts only or whether they're adding benefits in the nature of insurance to it as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. From that, let's say we're starting with a $20 a month per employee fee. We pay 15 of that to the advisor. And it doesn't matter if the advisor held hands with the employer through the process. If we have a team of uh, licensed wholesalers that work with our advisors, yep. we can do it for them. doesn't matter if the employer spent 90% of the time doing it online and the advisor had very little participation. The fee is always payable. We go beyond that. We always try, because we have an open platform where an employer can just come on and do this themselves, yep. we constantly prompt them. Can we connect with you an advisor? Do you have an advisor? Yep. I mean, there will always be people today that say, I don't want to work with an advisor. Sure. I may be an, uh, an HR professional. Yeah, they discount the value of what they can provide, but nevertheless, right. I mean, there is there is plenty we can provide. Well, let, let's face it. Not all advisors are built equally. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I will be the first to complain about that. <laughs> right. And so for some advisors, I mean, they put in so much effort and they put in so much work around it and they add a lot of value and it's a no-brainer. For others that just, they may be doing a lot more individual and not so much group, but they have a group and they refer them to the platform, they're going to get paid as well. But the key is we always try to connect someone with an advisor. If they don't have an advisor or they refuse to speak with an advisor, mm -hmm. what we do is we don't discount. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's no direct discount. price in the market, end of story. That's it. Yeah. And if someone does go through the process without an advisor and they purchase, we deduct commission from the sale and we distribute it to what, uh, in what we call our Honeybee participation pool. So advisors that are encouraging people to use Honeybee, that are supporting us, and they could be doing it a bunch of different ways. We're not talking about sales. They could yeah. be sending leads to us, marketing. They could be speaking highly of but us. But you're not, you're not competing as a direct broker. No. They get the benefit in that pool. And no. That's, that's really the, the, the brilliance of it. We are a broker platform. Yeah. Broker supported. Broker marketed. Yeah. We'll work with individual brokers. We'll work with MGAs. We will try to work with carriers as much as we can, as much as they'll let much us. As they'll let you. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how we built it. We're not, again, we're trying to disrupt the product. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to disrupt the distribution. So a uh, couple points before we wrap up. First one, you have a different story around funding. I mean, you weren't bootstrapped and right. you weren't uh, VC'd. Right. Uh, you guys are basically sponsored by an existing sizable company. This company. Right. Can you speak to that? Right, sure. Earlier I said Benicate is a small company. I'd say in the SMB market, I don't even know what a small or medium-sized company is anymore. Everyone has a different definition. Yeah. But uh, Benicate's been around for around 18 years. Profitable company. Mm -hmm. Always been smart with the investments. It's a third-party administrator. Always focusing on technology and platforms. And is very scrappy. And that's what I really liked about that. Oh, yeah, I see that. Uh, <laughs> but lots of data, lots of products, a full admin platform, a full billing platform. I didn't have to recreate all of that. I mean, I wanted to build a great product and get it to yeah. market. I didn't want to build the another company. That, yeah. I, no interest in that. Yeah. So what we did was we said, okay, why don't we do this? Why don't we put aside a healthy budget for innovation 
but we're not going to spend a penny for a year, mm-hmm. year of research. And that's what I did. And then we started spending pennies <laughs> and they got bigger. But the idea was we're going to invest in this platform and we're going to do it cautiously. And we're going to let the market tell us what we've done right and what we haven't done right, rather than just building the whole thing. And so we approached it very component-based. The company was great with me. They said, look, David, I know what you want to do, and uh, we're going to support it. Just come back, and we know a lot about the space. Uh, You don't necessarily come from the health space. Keep checking in with us. And they were great like that, great support. Smart. I mean, they wanted to disrupt themselves. Right. And that was really what I loved about the idea. You know, I had all the data and platforms and uh, products, and I can basically you weren't a zero day apart. project. You could literally absolutely from years of experience. Now, I'll say though, what I love about startups is I love the energy and I love the challenge, and I wanted to preserve that. And so, I really wanted to build it as a new platform that's going to connect through APIs and and other means to Benicade. So, I think about although putting my Benicade hat on. This is all Benicade, but putting my Honeybee hat on, Benicade's my partner. Benicade is servicing the business that we're writing through Honeybee. If I have the opportunity to add new products to the platform, I encourage them to add the product at the Benicade level. And then through APIs, I can pull them to the front end. And I can do that conceivably because I built it modular. I can go to another carrier and say, why don't we do a Honeybee for your products? Why don't we, I can connect to you. That's great for them because now they go from being one competitor in the market space to a platform provider potentially. That's right. That's what I need you to do. I need you to speak to them for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. Well, you can use this as a starting intro point. Absolutely. (laughs) So a couple of last questions, like I said, challenges. What have you been your bigger challenges to date in, in constructing this? I think it's product and I think it's coming from the carriers. Just again, the reticence to deal with a third party you know, or give up control. And it's not even giving up control. I think part of the issue I, at first, what I found was just people didn't get it. And I think no, surprise there. <laughs> none whatsoever. And I mean, I don't know how to sugarcoat it. I didn't know how to explain it either. And so I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying that it was something new and it was out of the comfort zone. Yeah. And so you didn't I'm, want to spin it on their level. Like right. you, could, you couldn't take what was going on in David Katz's mind right. and put it into a terminology or a language that they would understand and go, I get it. So that's when I decided I have to start listening instead of talking. And so I spent a lot of time <laughs> listening to our carrier partners yeah. at Benicated saying, like, what are your problems in the group space? And there are many. And speaking yeah. to the reinsurance companies and saying, what are your problems? And they have many. Yep. And because we've been dealing typically in the mid-market carrier space where the appetite for investment in technology, I mean, it's not the same, right? So they don't have 50 people in an innovation group that are playing ping pong down at Mars. Yeah. These people are very, very <laughs> uh, strapped paperwork and, and they're yeah. trying to figure out how they can bring these solutions to market. So they were actually very good at working with me after I got the first one. Okay. No one wanted to be the first. It's still a problem. I yeah. don't think our market, I think Toronto is an exciting place for yeah. startups and it's an exciting place for fintech AI. We know all of that. Yeah. But what I think we still lack is this recognition that we're all moving to co-opetition. And so you have to. It's s- funny because, you know, talking to the guys like you, you all see that. But the traditional carriers don't get that. They're still very much about artificial friction as a means of retaining business, not about realizing that, you know what, if we make this easier on people, we're going to basically benefit. And right. frankly, if we don't do it, someone else is going to get there first. Right. And they're going to benefit before, before we do. And at some point, the new clearing level becomes ease of use. Right. 
And connection through data sources as well. Oh, especially the insurance industry. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think product remains, I won't say a struggle, but it remains something where, I mean, I'll give you a very quick anecdote. It wasn't until I started asking marketing teams to come to the meetings. Typically when I'd meet with an insurance company. Because they care about driving the sales. Right. Well, they would send their underwriters and I would no, say, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> well, I get it though. I get it though. I mean, I've met some really, really smart underwriters. I mean, a lot of underwriters are That's smart, not what but, but business minded ones as well. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes to bridge the gap, I'd have to turn to the marketing person and say, what do you have in your coffers for cost of acquisition? Can we use some of that to fend off some of the risk associated with what we're trying to do? Yeah. Because you're paying that anyway. Exactly. And when I started inviting the marketing people, it started making a lot more sense to collectively the, the company. And we started getting a lot more. Well, you uh, had you had uptake. one guy in the you know it's the old joke about underwriters and marketing. You have one with the gas for them gas, and the one with the foot on the on the brake, right? So that's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. Basically, yeah. yeah. Good. So, what excites you about what's going forward with the product? I really love the idea that we can integrate with every form of business productivity software out there. I yep. think that horizontal integration is so critical to breaking down barriers in this space right now. It's interesting because it's so new in Canada. I think so new in just about everywhere in the U.S., quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And even then, still in its infancy. I mean, the ability to have interoperability or interconnectivity of all kinds of data points. And now what's going on with the, in the UU with, uh, with GDPR and mm -hmm. people's ability to have rights to their, their data and to be in a common portable platform. The number of, of possibilities for business and for consumers just boggles the mind. You're 100% right. 100% right. And I'd say as you start thinking through the data integrations, it's uh, obviously a buzzword AI and it's all very exciting. A lot of it is just things that have existed always. Yep. Oh, look, an algorithm. Uh, That's AI now too. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I do believe there's great opportunities for lifestyle, uh, not only lifestyle marketing, but life cycle marketing. And so the great thing about Honeybee is now we're having a direct conversation with the plan member and we understand a lot about them. We understand their choices and what they're spending. Mm -hmm. We understand their stage of life and we can, we're in a much better position to make recommendations and start moving to voluntary insurance and portable portability and things that I think are the holy grail yeah. for carriers, for reinsurers, for advisors, for everyone in the ecosystem. And so we're really focused on every block in that value chain and enhancing it all through this and platform. That's one of the things that was very compelling about talking to you from the first time we met. You did not see this as products. You see this as a platform, mm -hmm. right? And platform plays are very dynamic, very different, much more challenging, but if they work, I mean, besides the lucrative business it is for you, it benefits, what was it, uh, what is it uh, Bill Gates said? A platform is not a piece of software. A platform is something where the net benefit achieved by everybody on it exceeds that of the net benefit of the platform provider, right? So end of the day, everybody else elevates them to a higher level right. because of the work you do. So that's fantastic. What's the feedback in the day? We got to wrap up there. The feedback we've been getting, it's... I try to leave aside the edge cases a little bit because <laughs> the noisiest feedback is always okay, around so, the edge. Yeah, so two standard deviations. Yeah. Up. What are we looking at? <laughs> so, so far the feedback is excellent. I'm right. really happy. I'd say people love the allowance accounts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love them. Makes a lot of sense for them. Makes life easier for the employers. Advisors are giving us tremendous feedback. So oh, I love that from the first time I used it. Thank you. Thank you. When we go, maybe you know, when you showed me and demoed, I'm like, all right, already just the UI is better than anything I've seen. Right. So, right. Well, that and really that's where we're first paying attention because at the end of the day, it's the advisors who are out there. They have to believe in it. They have to yep. sell it. It has to be satisfying. 
what they need out of a platform in yeah. terms to recommend it. And so we spend a lot more time talking to advisors about feedback on the platform than we do actually the end user right now. Yeah. And because the advisors are the first to hear the complaints also. Uh, and so it, it's been great. And then frankly, they should be thankful that there's guys like you out there giving them tools to basically fight direct marketing. Because I mean, this is the great fear of, all, of a lot of different parts of this industry is, hey, you know, these people are going to try to compete directly with me, right? When the vast majority of you guys, from my experience, realize that it's a better strategy to try to lift the spoon of the entire industry than it is to try to slice a piece of cake off. 100%. Yeah. And I'd say that's, that's really the lesson for anyone who sits in the middle of anything. Absolutely. The minute you stop adding value, you're in yeah. trouble. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are fearing their position. Are they adding value? It's our job as a wholesaler to help our force out there add value to their clients. And that's really what we're trying to do. David, thank you so much. This has been great. And looking very forward to seeing how your projects continue to pan out because I think it's a wonderful initiative. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. And that was my interview with David Katz. David had alluded to something was going on in the background when we were uh, talking before the recording. And a couple of days after I recorded that, news came out that April, a France-based insurance company, had acquired Benicate outright. I spoke with David after news came out, and he was thrilled. The support that he's looking to get from April is enormous. They really see Honeybee as being on trend around the world, and they think it has great potential beyond the Canadian market. So we should hopefully see more of them, not just in Canada, but around the world. And with that, I'm Jason Pereira. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.